Hi, and welcome back to the North American Supplies Chain Summit. We have another exciting talk for you today. It's all about multi multimodal strategies and the importance of network flexibility, and it's something that 2020 has, has taught us all about network flexibility and being flexible with our supply chain. I, I'm, my name's Kevin Hill. I'm joined by Sean Stewart. He's a president and managing director uh, in North America for SIVA Logistics. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm great. Thank you. Good, good, good. So uh, we all saw tremendous challenges in 2020, um, but it's been a, a valuable opportunity for everyone to really rethink their, their supply chain efficiencies, you know, just in time versus just in case, and really develop more of plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, because we've all kind of had to, to go back to the playbooks and, and do that over the last, you know, six, eight, nine months now. So with, with that said, you know, how did SIVA uh, navigate through the waters of, of 2020? Yeah, that's a great, uh, great question. So, you know, first and foremost, uh, our, our, our strategy first was to, to take care of our employees uh, and keep them safe. But, you know, the, the second to that is if you would have asked me in 2019, Sean, can you guys operate with working more than half of your staff uh, from a home environment? I would have told you absolutely not. So the second most important thing for us was how do we continue to be effective for our customers uh, and, and keep our, our teammates working remotely uh, because it's something we've never done before. So that was that was the two most biggest things for us that was uh, uncharted waters, if you will. What was the biggest learning process of having everyone go remote? What, what were some of the things that really surprised you? I, I think the the one thing most uh, and nothing against our staff at all, but I just didn't think it was possible. I didn't think you could be as productive, uh, you know, when you're at home and you've got uh, your family and kids and because everybody, the whole family was working from home. So I'm just very, very, very impressed with what we've been able to do um, and still stay productive and, and not miss a beat, uh, not only for just a, the SIVA Logistics Group, but also our customers. Uh, I actually feel like we're more connected now than ever before um, because we're we're all working and used to uh, doing this video virtual life. Yeah, definitely. We we all have great insights in our coworkers and our customers and our vendors' uh, personal space of their homes. Right? We've all been on Zoom calls and and, and Google Meet or, or whatever platform you use doing these virtual calls, uh, what were some of the, the, the challenges that, uh, the, that happens when you send everyone home at once? Well, the biggest challenge is uh, the logistics industry, although it's uh, advanced over several years of becoming more and more paperless, it is not a paperless uh, business. And so how do, we, how do we take more paper out of uh, the daily uh, operations uh, and only keep those uh, vital operators within uh, the branches and get everybody else working remote in a more digital way. And so that was the biggest challenge is how fast can we get more uh, digitally focused into something that was more uh, paperwork and, and, and file management uh, of yesterday before COVID? Yeah, I mean, it's really changed the, the thoughts and the, the accelerated the, the, the trends of digitization in, in the supply chain, certainly. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Um, so, Steve, uh, and you've seen quite a few natural disasters, you know, a lot of those on more of a regional basis. How, how does COVID compare to that? It seems like it was a, a natural disaster on a global scale, right? Yeah, so you know we've we've obviously had them in in different regions around the world, and when it's isolated just to a certain area, you have much more opportunities uh, to uh, scale around that uh, pretty quickly. But when you take the pandemic of COVID, where it was a fast wash from China through Europe into uh, North and South America, uh, everything was shutting down. So where you thought you had. <laughs> had a plan of, of uh, uh, diversion, uh, that plan went away quickly. So that's, that's the biggest difference is because this is the first time, uh, I think in many of our own histories of, of a pandemic that uh, there's nowhere to go. And so now you gotta start looking at other alternatives versus just shifting to another region of the world. And talking about multi-mode and switching mode, one of those modes that the, had the, the biggest impact to it, especially at the beginning and still layering on, is the the airline industry. I mean, domestically, we're seeing flights being cut uh, at 1.90%, now it's 75%. If you look at the passengers, uh, TSA check-throughs domestic-wise, we're sitting somewhere between 35 and 40% of the number of passengers in 2020 as compared to 2019. Uh, but that really constrained air supply, um, you know, for for those passenger routes, especially international. How did uh, yourself and, and Siva uh, kind of navigate those waters? Yeah, when you look at the total air freight capacity globally, uh, there's a significant uh, uh, need on those passenger aircraft to cargo holes. And so when those passenger flights came down, not just domestically, but the, from a global connection, um, you know, it took out significant capacity. So for us, you, you basically had two options uh, for our customers. You either got to put it more on ocean, which absolutely happened, and it's still a, a major impact today. And the second was you had to get into the charter freighter network uh, as much as possible. So we were all fighting for the same capacity in that charter network, uh, but we were very quick to uh, to buy uh, as many charters as possible, some of those short-term for specific customer needs, but more so we bought them long-term um, just to keep up because we did not see this, uh, this pandemic coming out uh, anytime soon. And so it was, a, it was a very bold and risky move by SIVA, um, but one that uh, we're very happy that we took because uh, it's absolutely worked to our advantage. Yeah, you know, it, it, Going through that, you know, bold and risky moves. I mean, I, I think that that really uh, encapsulates 2020 and, and what businesses have had to do. It's what logistics businesses have to do, like like Siva. It's what shipper customers have to do uh, in different industries is is make bold and risky moves uh, out of necessity. Um, how how do you see that playing out? I, I see it continuing to play out. You know. Uh... Once, once all the, the charter freighters were pretty much sucked up, uh, uh, we had to go to Plan B. So Plan B was working with the traditional passenger airlines uh, to get some of their planes back in the air and convince them to flip them to uh, conversion freighters. So what does that mean? That means basically they, they pull the seats out of the aircraft uh, and we're filling uh, those planes that were formerly passenger aircraft now into converted freighters. And uh, 
that that worked very well for us, especially out of Europe. Uh, there wasn't as many uh, cargo freighters like there is coming out of North Asia into North America. So uh, we we secured those uh, out of three key markets in Europe to keep the supply chain going. That being Amsterdam, uh, London, UK, and uh, uh, Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah, one of the benefits of natural disasters, not not that they should have a lot of benefits, is that it, it makes everyone work together. Everyone's kind of on the same page. Is, is that what you're seeing in 2020 when you're working with, you know, the airline industry, uh, your, your customers as well, everyone kind of pitching in and, and, and pulling on the same rope? Yeah, I would say, you know, there's always a positive out of a negative. And what I would say is I think... Uh, the world holistically became more uh, humble, uh, humility. We all were were fighting a, a major pandemic that was scary for all of us. So there was a much more humanistic side of relationships between uh, the customer, the carriers, uh, the third-party logistics providers like ourselves, uh, to where we needed each other. We had to be uh, very thoughtful uh, trust, maybe sometimes unearned, uh, to get assistance to ensure that we could uh, conquer this and keep trade moving around the world. You're exactly right. There's always got to be uh, positives coming out of negatives, or you're going to spiral out of control, certainly. Uh, when we switch back to the multimodal strategies, we're talking about air, we're talking about the overflow and the spillover effect, and, and kind of the, the shift to, to ocean and maritime, which has been stretched uh, with capacity as well. Uh, March and April, there's a lot of blank sailings, a lot of cancellations, and now they can't get enough boats in the water or ships in the water, I should say, uh, to, to meet demand. How's how's that been going for uh, for Steve? And what have you what are you seeing out there in the market? Yeah. So the key is, uh, you know, customers. Certain customers were able to to change their supply chain, uh, change their their manufacturing timelines, their just in time inventory. Um, and obviously, they had to uh, pay more on ocean because when the capacity is what it is, the, the rates the rates are going to go up. So uh, it became a, a market, and still there today, that uh, um, you got to pay to get on the on the vessels. Um, but outside of that, the air freight market is is coming back slowly. So there's pretty much steady state. Uh, but I would say between uh, getting the capacity uh, at the right rates on the ocean freight and then what you still need on an expedited level then moves into there's a, a fast boat service uh, from mainland China into LA Long Beach uh, that a lot of people have diverted their, uh, their containers to. Uh, and then secondarily, the air freight need uh, and filling all the capacity that we, that, we, that we can on air freight for our customers. You know, I, and that brings up a good point too. How, advanced, how advantageous it is is it for SIVA to have kind of in-house capabilities to do end-to-end -end transactions like that and be able to switch switch via modes and be really truly multimodal? Well, I would say that the biggest thing for SIVA is uh, we have extensive uh, expedited ground networks around the world, and our ability to when we say air freight capacity came back, it only came back in certain what we call OD pairs or origin destination pairs. 
So having a very robust ground network to say the planes are only going to come into Chicago, uh, in and out of Chicago or in and out of L.A. mainly, um, some JFK, then you've got to have a pretty robust ground network to get those goods uh, to the other areas of major import gateways, i.e. in Atlanta, uh, uh, Dallas, uh, et cetera. Uh, you have to use your ground network uh, to reposition that. And without that, people struggled uh, to get their cargo into the United States and then get it distributed in time to make uh, the inductions of the customers. Yeah, you definitely have to have creative solutions and a lot of flexibility, a lot of flexibility in, in your supply chain to, to get the products to the right place at the right time uh, so they can be purchased by the, the end consumer. And we've, seen, we've seen a lot of mixed shift uh, of spending here in the U.S. coming from the services side into tangible products that they shipped around the world. And uh, we're kind of in a blitz. We're still kind of in that blitz uh, of, of products moving around. And it, it, comes, it comes with building flexibility. You know, you really have to build flexibility in, in your supply chain and your logistics network to take full advantage of that. What are you seeing in the market of, uh, of everyone adapting to that flexibility? I, I, it's very unique for every customer. It depends on what they're doing um, and, and how they want to do it. You know, if you, if you look at our customers, um, they had a plan A and they even had a plan B. Uh, but as you stated earlier, they didn't have a C, D, and E. Uh, and so things are still changing. Um, and so what, you have to be able to uniquely understand what is, where are they going, and, and how do we whiteboard um, literally virtually uh, how to get there from the traditional. And sometimes, especially I think for uh, in the logistics business, people's supply chain has been set up the way it's been set up for many, many years. So then all of a sudden in a panic, trying to think outside the box and do something differently for our customers, they're too close to it. So being able to really partner with their uh, their service provider like Siva Logistics to, to allow us to help them think outside the box. We don't want to tell them how to run their business, but obviously we have the data that tells them what all their options are to think differently um, for them. So one of the, the trends that, that we have seen in 2020, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, is that mixed shift of spending from travel, leisure, entertainment, live events are, are are pretty well done. Uh, restaurants are, are running at a fraction of their, their capacity. So what we've seen is a huge shift to, to e-commerce. And we see that in the stress on, in the airline or the, the air cargo market and, and also the maritime market. What are you seeing? What, what kind of trends are you seeing that are surprising in, in e-commerce right now? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, most of our uh, very large uh, consumer and retail customers have, have, have had a very tough year. And, but it's interesting, uh, you know, those, those consumer retail customers that were uh, storefront, uh, you see their stores converting into many uh, e-com distribution centers of today, uh, both, both open and non-open to, uh, to uh, customers through the front door. So, where you, where you had them maybe 80% uh, of their sales uh, coming by people that went to the stores to buy uh, and 20% buying online, 
uh, it's it's completely 180 on them. So they're fulfilling 80% of their of their buys through e-commerce and 20% through the front door. Um, there's many, many of our customers that if you walk into them today, those that are still open, uh, you'll see stacks of boxes behind the, uh, the checkout counter. And it's because those associates of them are not only uh, working the, uh, the retail floor, but they're also filling e-com orders. And, and why that is, is because their supply chains are not yet changed from uh, fulfilling an e-com DC that they don't have in, uh, large enough on that scale and the inventory is still fulfillment to store versus fulfillment to Ecom DC. So it's a very unique environment. And most of those clients are moving heavily now into uh, building out or outsourcing the build out of, of large Ecom facilities to transition them to the new normal uh, after this pandemic. Yeah, that's what that, that is a huge trend that we're seeing too, is, is that so those large big box retailers that you know, that they didn't do too much e-commerce. They didn't put a lot of resources into it. They're scrambling to do that. They're fulfilling it out of the stores. What are some of the, the challenges that they're going to face uh, as they as as they really build out a supply chain that is adaptable and focuses on e-commerce going in, into the future? Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest issue that they're going to face is obviously the, the parcel carrier's capacity. Um, Without it being into a DC where you got uh, mass uh, uh, orders picked per day and able to funnel into a, uh, a parcel network, uh, there just isn't enough trucking capacity uh, for them to pick up at all their stores and either get it into a parcel network or a US Postal Service network. And so that's gonna be the real challenge for them is how do they not only fulfill that order timely out of a store or a lack of having an Ecom DC, but also how do they get it dropped off to the parcel carrier to ensure it can get to the customer in time? So that's that's really what we're seeing today. And many of us are working to try to figure out how to help them with those sweeps um, and or other alternatives that may be outside of the parcel network because there's just not enough capacity. And that's a very complex thing. I mean, it's a very complex supply chain that, that to put in. And if if you aren't, if you haven't traditionally been focused on on e-commerce as a retailer, uh, you probably you probably need as much help as you can in designing that because there's a lot of built-in redundancies and, and flexibility that you need to have uh, to you know that, that you need from scratch. And you might you probably don't have it have that knowledge in house. So you certainly don't if you haven't been focused on e-commerce. That, that, that is correct, but it's also saved them. So the e-com is, is, has been fantastic to uh, uh, option for them to stay open and, and stay um, profitable. So anything that they can do to uh, uh, build out their e-com solutions uh, will drive longevity in the success of those consumer retail customers. Again, Sean, thank you for your time today. Thank you for uh, coming to the North American Supply Chain Summit and, and joining us. How does our audience reach out and learn more about SIVA and yourself? Well, you can uh, hit our website at uh, www.sivalogistics.com, um, and I'd be more than happy to uh, take on any uh, questions or reach outs on, on LinkedIn. Uh, our whole team can be reached. Uh, we also have a page on LinkedIn. Uh, for Siva Logistics.
Great. Thank you again. Thank you, sir.